Now let's give incredible praise to the God that we're worshiping. Come on. Hallelujah. If you will, um, remain standing for the reverence of reading God's word. Selfie part eight. Uh, Selfie will go down in history as one of the longest series that I've ever preached. Um, I'm usually at most, if I preach a series, it's maybe four weeks, but I, I just can't get out of this because God said this is crucial for where you're going. The heart behind selfie is, is while we all like to look good on the outside, God is concerned about the inside. That while we put on smiles, God is looking at our heart. That while we can dress up, we can't fake up God. God knows where we really are. Amen? And so my heart in this series has been making sure that the Holy Spirit can evangelize the congregation in the measure which is needed for us to be able to repent from what needs to repent from. We changed the way we thought. Now we've moved from the head to the heart. And we're allowing God. We're, we have a prayer arising in this body that says, Search my heart, O God. Amen? And we're asking God to cleanse us and, re- and remove anything from our heart that's not of Him. And so we're going to continue in the heart even tonight. And um, I'm actually... What I want to talk to you about, the title of my message, I want to talk to you about healing the heart. Healing the heart. And it's kind of funny because healing the heart is actually a retreat that I went on when I've shared things recently. And as Teacher Derek Sports was saying, transparency, I actually went away to an inner healing uh, retreat for a whole weekend. And the name of that retreat was called Healing the Heart. And um, powerful, powerful weekend where God really dealt with things in my heart that just weren't right. Um, and I'm not even necessarily saying sin. I'm saying hurt, pain, bitterness, resentment, things that I had walked through and was still carrying. But um, I want you to turn with me tonight to Proverbs 4 and 23. And I, my heart is, I want to teach to you tonight because really what I've got to get into is deep. Honestly, it's, it's, it's there. But I, I, I'm telling you, I want to go ahead and release this. I don't know why, but I feel the anointing of deliverance in this house tonight. Ooh. I feel it. The Lord is wanting to break off some things of people's lives. And I'm, I'm believing tonight that even as I stand here, my posture will be a position of rest because I need the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do. Amen. I want you to read this with me tonight. It's been our text as we've journeyed into the, into the heart part of our selfie. Declare it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Holy Spirit, we invite you fully into this room, God, to partner with the power of your word upon the soil of people's hearts, God. Lord, as the word is broadcast like seed amongst soil tonight, God, I pray and prophesy, Father, that it fall on good soil, that the seed of your word would take root deep within the heart, God, that it would not be something that's stolen, that it's not something that would be choked out, that it's not something that would be burned up by the trials of life, but this word would indeed take root in the hearts of your people, and upon it would come the fruit of the Spirit, upon it would come the fruit of of our lives that Matthew 7 said that a tree is known by its fruit. God, that we would bear the fruit of joy, peace, and, and, and power in the Holy Spirit, Father. Lord, we pray tonight, God, that as we gather around your word, we're like children that are seated at a table to be fed. 
And we're hungry for you tonight, Lord. We're hungry for you tonight, Lord. Feed us, God. Feed us deep in our hearts that we may hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church, God. Deal within our hearts, God, that we would be able to cast off every restraint, every sin, every snare that has so easily entangled us, God. Lord, that we would press on to the high calling in Christ Jesus. Lord, that we may be seated in heavenly places. Father, that we may see as you see and hear, Father God, according to the power of your spoken word and and your word that is alive in this room today, God. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you're here. Bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated all over the house. I want to read a story to you out of the Bible that comes to you. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I've never preached this text, never, never have shared this text in in the context. 2 Samuel, uh, go with me there tonight, 2 Samuel chapter 17, or excuse me, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Y'all have it on the screen. Thank you. 2 Samuel chapter 12, and before we get in there, um, I want to tell you the backdrop. A lot of people know the story of David. They know the story of David, that David was a shepherd boy, slayed Goliath. Saul was sent to want to destroy him, saw the favor of God. David was rejected. David became king. In David's becoming king, there's a time that David uh, has an affair with a, a woman by the name of Bathsheba. He looks on a roof. She's bathing, and the Bible says that he, 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 he lusted after her, and he sent for her. And, and then not only does his love affair uh, turn into a murder affair where he has Bathsheba's husband killed, but uh, David is going through his life and as he's going through his life Nathan the prophet of the Lord comes and and we find as the story picks up in 2 Samuel 12 I want to talk to you tonight about healing our hearts but there's some concept in in this scripture that I believe is a remedy for our hearts being healed this is what I know in this room that all over in this room right now, there are pain, there are hurts, and there are traumas that people have walked through. There are losses that have been lived out in this room. And what you have to understand in the continuation, even from Sunday, is that the enemy attacks our heart knowing that if he can get our heart, then from it flows every issue in life. Then from it flows everything into our life. It's our heart that becomes the pumping well of everything that's into our life. The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we find that everything is rooted in our life to our heart. And so if the enemy gets the heart, he gets everything connected to it, our lives, our marriages, our jobs, our businesses, whatever it is, if there's poison in our heart, then there'll be poison in our life. It'll flow over into it. 2 Samuel chapter 12, it says, And then David said to Nathan, Nathan confronts David about uh, having... uh, um, Bathsheba's husband killed and, and about all the, all the scandal that has went on. And David says these words. He says, And David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. Bathsheba gets pregnant from the sexual encounter that David and Bathsheba have. And, and, and the prophet Nathan tells David, he says, the son that is born to you will die. And after Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. And David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. 
And the elders of his house stood beside him to get him up from the ground. But he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. And on the seventh day, the child died. And David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him that the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering amongst themselves. And he realized the child was dead. He says, is the child dead? And yes, they replied, he is dead. And this is the part that I want you to really begin to focus on. Then David got up from the ground. After that, he had washed and he put on lotions and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. And then he went to his own house and at his request, they served him food and he ate. And his attendants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. And he answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, maybe the Lord be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and made love to her, and she gave birth to him a son, and they named him Solomon because the Lord loved him. Tonight I want to break apart this scripture. I really need to teach this to you because it's a lot, but it's a lot of meat that if you listen to this, I'm telling you, there is a remedy in 2 Samuel on how to heal your heart. There is a remedy in these scriptures on how to heal our heart. <clears throat> I want you to understand something from the concept that we find here on the concept of healing our heart. There is no trauma. There is no grief and there is no pain worse than that of loss. Let me speak to some people. I'm telling I know this is a word. I don't know, it may be one person, but I am positive that this is the word of the Lord for this house. I need to speak to somebody tonight that is dealing with loss. I don't know what the loss is, but I know that the Holy Spirit has burdened my heart for people that are seated under the sound of my voice with the, with the, with the, with the fulfillment of loss in your life. It could be the loss of a job, the loss of a child, the loss of a spouse, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a parent, the loss of a business or maybe you've lost faith but there is no greater trauma there is no greater pain there is no more unbearable grief than that of loss loss hurts Amen. see but it's not always the initial sting of loss but the remaining heartache that seems to linger do you hear what I'm telling you tonight it may not always be the initial sting or pain of loss, but it's, it seems to be the continuing heartache that is there much weeks, much months, many years later, still dealing with the pain, still dealing with the, with the grief, still dealing with the trauma of whatever loss it is that you have walked through in life. Amen. See, many of us can easily identify with the word ache, the word ache. Back aches, toothaches, and headaches. But what about the heartache? What about the heartache? See, there's one thing I know about a backache. A backache affects every area of my life. If my back's hurting, it affects the way I walk. It affects the way I sit. It affects the way I sleep. 
If I have a toothache, it affects how I eat. It affects how I sleep. It affects uh, e- e- even even my talk and speech. But but why doesn't anybody talk about the side effects of a heartache? Woo, huh? We talk about you know the 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 hurt of a headache, and and I came came to tell you tonight. In case you didn't know, you can take enough Tylenol, and you can get rid of a headache. But there is no Tylenol for that of a heartache. There is only the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Okay, this ain't in my notes, but I hear you, Lord. How does, how does prescription medicine become an addiction? Many times people, my God, oh yeah, I hear it. I'm in the vein. Many times people that are dealing with trauma, pain, and loss in their life begin to medicate something that only the Holy Ghost can heal. And it numbs it for a little while. It dulls it for a little while. But once the high wears off, the reality of the pain, the trauma, and the, and the loss is still there. Thus creating a culture of addiction. So I understand that I can take enough Tylenol to get rid of a headache. But it takes something supernatural from the Spirit of God to remove the heartaches. But can I tell you that heartache also affects every area of my life. Heartache affects the way you walk. It'll affect the way you walk with God. Come on, somebody. It'll affect the way you walk with people. It'll affect your relationship. You walk through enough betrayal, and you won't treat everybody the way you did before betrayal. You walk through enough pain. You walk through enough loss, and all of a sudden you start looking at everybody like they're the enemy, even the ones that God sent to help you. I'm telling you, there are side effects of heartache that what they do is they will affect every area of your life. You get enough heartache and it'll affect the way you talk. You get enough heartache, it'll affect the way you sleep. Is there anybody in the room that's had a broken heart? I'll tell you, it'll affect the way you eat. You get your heart broken. You won't want to eat. I've walked through families of, of trauma and loss and in the midst of the trauma and loss, hey, can, can the church provide a meal? And they say, they say things like, Pastor, you can provide a meal, but I'm just not in the mood to eat. Why? Because something has gripped a hold of their heart. There's an ache, there's a pain. There is something that is even hindering their ability, natural ability to eat. See, why is it in the world we, we talk about the remedies of heartaches to, or, or headaches, toothaches, and backaches, but nobody talks about the concept of the reality that there are side effects, that there are identifying marks of heartaches. There are heartaches in this room, and you've got all the symptoms to it, but God sent me here tonight to make sure that the remedy of the Holy Ghost is alive in this room, that you'll walk different, talk different, and you'll be able to be healed and whole in Jesus' name. See, there's three things that David did in the story after the suffering, after the loss, after the pain, after the trauma that I believe are a remedy for healing our hearts in this room. My God. The first thing that David did was David wept. David wept. I want you to understand something. You know, a lot of people, they're so quick to throw stones at David. I can't believe he had an affair. I can't believe he was sleeping around. Regardless of the sin, it does not deny the fact 
that David was looking to become a father to a promised child, one that he had had in his possession, now catch this, for seven days. It wasn't a thought no more. It was a reality. He saw his his baby boy. He saw the hair. He saw that he had his nose. He saw that he had his fingers. He saw him. It was a real alive. It wasn't it wasn't a prophecy. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't an afterthought. It was something that he had tangibly felt. And let me tell you something. When you see something that is from your seed and it dies in front of you, it will do something to you. And so David weeps, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Let me talk. My God, woo. There's mamas in here that have lost children, wives, husbands that have lost their spouse. There are people watching online right now, and you're walking through a season of loss. I want you to know one of the greatest gifts that God gave was the gift of weeping. What is weeping? Weeping is a releasing of, of your inner emotions. It's, it's a breaking of your vessel. It, it, it's a dependency. It's a cry saying, God, I can't bear it anymore. You want to say, well, there's nothing spiritual about it. That's funny because even God himself in the flesh, the Bible tells me Jesus wept. It's the shortest scripture. There's something powerful about our weeping. Matter of fact, the Bible goes on to say from Solomon in Psalms, uh, in, in, um, excuse me, Psalms 30, that it says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Ecclesiastes 3 says that there is a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. So if weeping endures through the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Can y'all pull up that Psalms 30 real quick? Because actually this translation, I I, I love what the NIV says. Watch. It says, weeping may stay for the night. Some of y'all let weeping move in. Some of y'all, some of y'all need to start charging that weeping room and board. It was only supposed to come and hang out for a night. See, but we've let weeping just move all the way in. See, from these scriptures, even in Ecclesiastes 3, I find out that weeping, though powerful, is seasonal. Some of y'all missed it. Weeping, though powerful, is seasonal. Psalms 30 said that it may come and stay for a night. In other words, sometimes when we go through trial and we go through pain and we go through trauma, what we find out is that that shows up and we may have to weep through a night. We may have to weep through two nights. But that mourning, that sense of loss, that sense of discouragement, that spirit of depression, it does not get to live in my house. It does not get to stay there indefinitely. There comes a time that weeping's got to be over and joy's got to rise up inside of you. Ecclesiastes tells me that there's a time to mourn, but there's a time to laugh. I wonder sometimes in the body of Christ if we get our time mixed up. We're pouting when we should be praising. There are some of you, you've been in a season of weeping for years. 
you're still crying over the loss. You're still weeping, still uncontrollable of your heart. And I came to tell you that it is powerful, but it is seasonal. There comes a time where like David, he got up. There comes a time you got to get up. There comes a time that you know you weren't made for the floor anymore. You got to get up. I came to some people to tell you tonight, get up. You can't stay there anymore. If you stay there, you'll die there just like what you're crying over. Hey, 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 hey. See, weeping is a gift from God to release the pain and the poison of heartache. It comes through your eyes so it don't live in your heart. Did you hear what I said? Those tears are releasing of poison and pain that God said it can't live there. You gotta let it out. You gotta get it out. There ain't nothing wrong with a little crying. There ain't nothing wrong with a one night pity party. But there comes a time where you gotta say, I gotta get up. See, we have to understand that it has, I have to get it out. But then God says once you get it out, you got to get it up. Yes. See, David wept, but then he got up. And do you understand that everybody around him, they, they marveled? What are you doing? Why are you up? You were laying on the floor crying while the, while the baby was here, but not that he's dead. Now all of a sudden you're up, you're eating, you're, you're back out living life. Let me, I'm telling you, I feel even specifically on, on our stream, there are people watching and listen to me. You are still weeping over something. You are still crying over things that God said it was time for you to shut the door on weeping and start celebrating again, start rejoicing again. It's time that you make people marvel. How is this she got her strength back? How is this he got his ministry back? How is this they got their marriage back? How is this they got their child back? It's time, it's time to get up. 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 I feel that so strong in my spirit tonight. The second thing that we find in the healing of the heart, the second thing that we find in the healing of the heart, the Bible says that David wept, but then David washed. David washed. See, the concept of washing says, what's on me can't stay on me. See, there comes a time where you just need to wash. See, what you got to understand is while pain, trauma, and loss is real, if you let it stay on you, it will defile you. Woo. See, David knew that he couldn't smell like the residue of loss. Hey, hey, hey. He couldn't smell like what he thought was promised. He had to get up and begin to walk in the new promise. He had to get up and walk in the new prophecy. Yeah, you sin, but God still loves you and he's saying he's not going to kill you. What was that? It was promised for the purpose of David's calling on his life. He's saying God's not done with you. You may have lost some things. You may have went through some things, but God's not done with you. Recently, I was cleaning uh, our, our black stone. And uh, if you don't know anything about a black stone, it's something that takes an incredible amount of grease that you cook with. 
And uh, oftentimes when you know you handle it, you'll get this black grease on you. And it's not even something that Dawn Disc Detergent will get off. It's something that it, it, it embeds in the granules, in the, in the grains of your hands and fingerprints. And you've got to scrub it, scrub it, scrub it. But they, they make this stuff called Gojo. How many of y'all know what Gojo is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all know what Gojo is, right? It smells like orange. See, and, and so what you'll find is that when it gets on you, that it takes a certain level of cleansing. But what you got to know about Gojo is it ain't just soap. It's got grit. And see, I also came to tell you tonight that, it, that while it's got grit, there ain't no greater gojo than the Holy Ghost. And sometimes when we walk through some things, and sometimes when we go through some things, just reading our Bible ain't going to work. There comes times where we got to allow the Holy Ghost to get deep down in our grit. Scrub out that bitterness. Scrub out that anger. Scrub out that heart hurt. And scrub out that hatred. There ain't no gojo like the Holy Ghost. He'll get in the, he, he's gritty. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know the gritty Holy Ghost that I know? He may take some skin off, but he's going to make sure the stain don't stay. Did you hear what I said? He may take some skin off, but he's going to make sure the stain don't stay. David got up after his weeping and he washed. The Bible says that he put on lotion. In other words, he fragranced himself. See, because I can imagine... After seven days of laying on the floor, seven days of not eating. You know, you don't brush your teeth for seven days. Tell me how much your wife wants to talk to you, brother. Come on. You whisper. She's like, whoo. You calling it the Holy Ghost. He's saying, bro, you need Colgate. And so there was a smell. Watch this. Woo. There was a smell on him from his season of loss. There was a aroma of his aggravation. There was a perfume of pain from seven days on the floor. But David got up and he washed. He cleaned himself so that when he came back out, he didn't look like the same grease ball that was laying on the floor. He didn't look like the same one that they knew was crying. This man had his countenance back. This man was cleaned up. This man looked like he was getting ready to go somewhere. See, some of us haven't moved from our past season to our next season because we ain't allowed God to wash us up to get us ready. Ah, I don't know about you, but anytime I want to take my kids somewhere and it's somewhere that they need to be presented, I say, you got to get Get ready. Why, Daddy? Why? I say, because we about to go somewhere. God sent me by to tell some of y'all, you got to get cleaned up. You got to get ready because you're about to go somewhere. Scrub us, Holy Ghost. Scrub us. The third thing that we find that David did, and I'm done. The third thing that we find that David did in the healing of his heart was he wept, he washed, but then he worshipped. See, he worshipped. As I was studying even on that word, worshipped, if you're from West Virginia, you say worshipped. Warship. Warship. 
See, as I was studying this word, I heard the Lord tell me, he said, that when you worship me in the midst of pain, he said, I'll set sails to annihilate the enemy. See, your worship becomes a warship that sets sail to annihilate your enemy. Some of you, all God is waiting on is your measure of worship. All God's waiting on for you to do is say, God is still good. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you understand that David washed, or he, he wept, he washed, then he worshiped. But guess what happened after that? He got another son. Do you hear what I'm saying? I wonder if it's because God said, no, you could have quit. No, you could have stopped. No, you could have went into a pity party. You could still be spending the night with weeping, but you got up. You washed and you worshiped. And because of that, I'm going to give you back everything you feel like you lost. Sometimes you got to worship God in credit. Oh, y'all, y'all. Yeah. Some of y'all trying to worship God on debit and it's being declined. And he's saying, because I'm not asking you to worship me on what you got. I'm asking you to worship me on what's coming. I'm asking you to worship me on something you ain't got. I'm asking you to offer up the sacrifice of praise. I'm asking you to give me something even when you don't feel like it. See, why, why worship? Because worship turns our focus from the pain to the purpose. Worship turns our focus from the hurt to being healed. Worship gets our focus off of man and gets it back on God. Why do you got to worship through your season of loss? Because if you don't, you'll continue to keep your focus on, on, on everything that's around you. But when you begin to worship, when you begin to set your eyes up and look up to the hills from where cometh your help, all of a sudden you find out it doesn't have anything to do with anything around me, but it's all about him. Stand with me all over the house, Brooke, if you'll come on to the keys. The book of Psalms is full of emotions and feelings. You know, I've seen a lot of people criticize emotions in the church, and I think it's really funny because I'm going to be honest with you. I'd rather have a church that has emotions than a church that doesn't have the Spirit of God. Now hold me, hold me as I teach to you real quick. Because when I read my Bible, it says that I was created in the image of God. And if I got emotions, then that means that those emotions came from God. Since when did emotions become a bad thing in the presence of God? Matter of fact, 65, 65 of those different psalms are, 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 are of them are described as laments. 65 of the psalms are described as laments. What are laments? Laments are cries and expressions of grief. Man, when I think of the life of David, but then I see the measure of the laments and psalms, I realize that he was a man that wrestled a lot with his emotions. He was a man that cried a lot. But King David writes in the middle of his pain and fear for his life in Psalms 54 and 6, he says this, I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. And I will praise your name, Lord, for it is good. I need, you, I need you to focus on that. See, what I'm in isn't good. She isn't good. He isn't good. The job, it isn't good. But Lord, your name, 
it is good. And I don't need all this to be fixed. I just need to fix my eyes on you. I just need to fix my focus on you. And so I'll, I'll sacrifice a free will offering to you. A free will offering. An offering that says, God, because you're good, not because of what I'm in is good, not because of what I went through was good, but because, God, your name is good. See, there's other examples constantly throughout Scripture. But did you know that Jonah, I, I, I've never heard this preached, but in my studies I discovered that Jonah, he is in the belly of a whale. He is in the pit of misery. But yet while he is in his worst moment, Jonah 2.9 erupts and it says this, Jonah 2.9, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. And I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. This is a man that's in his darkest moments, in the pit, uh, in the belly of a whale, not knowing if he's going to make it out. Come on, somebody. I need to speak to some people that are still on the floor. You're still on the floor. You got to get up, but the only way to get up is by lifting him up. That when we lift up the Lord, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. See, what I love about David, though, is that he doesn't ignore his feelings. He never buries his feelings. But he uses them on the ground to build his praise to God. He acknowledges them, but he doesn't become a slave to them. Let me talk to somebody. He acknowledges his feelings. He acknowledges his emotions, but he does not become a slave to them. I wonder how many of you tonight, under the sound of my voice, you've become a slave to the emotion of pain. You're tied to the hurt, the grief, and the loss in your life. And it has taken you captive from being able to get up and go on and do what God has called you to do. Let me tell you, let me tell you something Incredibly powerful about worship. The deepest level of worship is praising God in spite of the pain. The deepest level of worship is thanking God during the trial. The deepest level of worship is surrendering even while you suffer. It's worship that even while you're being tempted, you know that he's going to provide a way to escape. The deepest level of worship is lavishing love on God even when he feels distant. Did you hear what I said? The deepest level of worship is lavishing love on God even when he feels distance. So, while we find this remedy of healing the heart, that he wept, he washed, and he worshiped. Why? Why does your heart need to be healed tonight? Why is it that pain, loss, and trauma cannot abide in you? Go to verse 24 in 2 Samuel. Verse 24, I want to show you something incredibly powerful. 2 Samuel, back to my text. 2 Samuel 12 and 24. 24. Thank you, ma'am. It says, Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, he went to her and he made love and she gave birth to a son. See, I wonder if David would have never stopped weeping, he would have never washed. And if David would have never washed, he wouldn't have gotten up to worship. 
But when David got up to worship, he received strength to go to Bathsheba and show her her worth. Why does your heart need to be healed? Because what you need to understand is Bathsheba walked through the same exact thing that David did. She lost a son. She lost a husband. She lost a promise. But God said, I'm going to heal the heart of David. I'm going to make sure that bitterness doesn't get into it so that when he comes in contact with somebody that's been through what he's been through, he can comfort them. He can minister to them. I came to talk to somebody. Maybe your loss was the birthing of your greatest ministry. Maybe your loss was the birthing place of God's promise in your life. I don't know. Maybe you went through divorce so that you can lead a ministry to people that have walked through the trauma of divorce. I don't know, maybe you lost a child. Maybe you're five miscarriages, mom, under the sound of my voice tonight. And what you need to understand is you're going to meet a mama that's went through four. And she's going to need your words to hold on. She's going to need your encouragement to strengthen her. David went and comforted Bathsheba. Why? Because his heart was healed. His heart was whole. He had been washed. He had been cleansed. He allowed the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Dominion. I'm saying, God, heal our hearts. How many Bathshebas? How many Bathshebas, God? How many of them are out there? How many of them are waiting for us to get whole? How many of them are waiting on us to get healed so that we can go to where they are and comfort them? We can't comfort people when we ourselves are walking in sickness and affliction. Some of you are laying on the floor. You're still weeping. God sent me here tonight to tell you, weeping may endure for the night, but you got to get up. Some of you need to allow the Holy Ghost just to wash over you. Some of you, you need to get your worship back. Some of you in the midst of the trauma, in the midst of the pain, you quit worshiping. This is what I want to do. I want you to come around this altar tonight. If, if you're any one of those three, you're still weeping. You need the washing of the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. And he's wanting to wash over our lives. He's wanting to move in our lives. But we got to get to a place that says, God, I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I'm getting up. Hallelujah. I wish to God some men. I wish to God. I thank God for these women. I thank God for Brother LT. But I wish to God that men, under the sound of my voice, listen to me, men, it's time for you to man up. It's time for you to get serious and hungry for the things of God. Some of you used to worship on these altars. Some of you used to cry your eyes out to God. And for some reason, something happened in your life and you've allowed bitterness, hurt, and pain to keep you back. But I came to tell you, if you'll worship, promise is on the other side. Promise is on the other side. Can we worship the Lord? If you need prayer for anything, come to this altar right now. This is what I'm asking you. You know what you are. Some of you are still weeping. Some of you need the washing of the Holy Spirit. And some of you need to get your worship back. I don't know which one you are, but I came to tell you, there's a multitude of Bathsheba's outside that door. And they need to hear the testimony of the Lord in your life. Say, God, do it. Do it. Whatever you need to do, do it in me.